During COVID, we saw some near-empty shelves in the grocery stores. Due to several issues right now, we're beginning to see some shortages in the grocery stores, and there are more shortages to come. And we'll talk about that when we come back. Practical Prepping Podcast. We're helping everyday people become prepared for whatever emergencies come our way. Where gear is good, but knowledge is better because the more you know, the less you have to carry. We're your hosts, Mark and Krista Lawley. Hello, listeners. Thank you for joining the conversation here at Practical Prepping Podcast. We are practical preppers, as you know, and we're not trying to alarm or panic anyone, but I think we're trying to wake some folks up. I think some people are still a little bit unaware of some of the shortages that are occurring across the nation and even across the world. Shortages, we're talking about food and container shortages, and these are going to vary depending on where you live, where you buy your groceries, how your food is supplied, because there are regional differences in the supply chain. The South isn't going to be facing the same things the Northwest is facing. The same, you know, California isn't the same as Maine, but we're seeing some common shortages and we want to talk about that today. Hey, Mark. Hello, Krista. First thing I want to talk about here is one of the reasons that we are and will be, and I want to stress the will be, some of this we're looking forward and the best research we can come up with, we're not there yet. We're going to see worse than we have right now. Again, not to scare you. The idea here is to prepare you, to give you the information and then let you act with it as you wish. But we know that there is some low availability of aluminum, and we know that the price is skyrocketing on that. You know, I hadn't even thought about, we we concentrate so much on the food itself, but as we mentioned too, the container of food, like you're just saying, aluminum is what the sodas come in and the soup cans and the vegetable and fruit cans, you know. Aluminum is the metal of choice for right. the for the packaged food industry that way. And there's some shortages in that aluminum, and that will cause some shortages on the shelves. We have the same thing with plastics. Oh, in what way? Well, we've got some shortages of plastics, and they're more expensive. So you know, yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I remember a couple of years ago, word came out that plastic ketchup and mustard bottle tops were in short supply. And it's just one of those things you never think that would ever be something that can't be acquired. And they were talking about the shortage of ketchup and mustard because of the plastic bottle top. Yeah, and I do believe we shared that information with our listeners when we got a hold of that information. And some of the folks came back and said, hey, thank you. You were right on that one. And we're seeing shortages on the ketchup and mustard aisle. And you know what I have done as a practical prepper since then? I will purchase mustard now in the big jar, like they make glass jars of it, a big plastic jar, and I'll use my funnel, and I'll just funnel mustard back into my old bottle that I will reuse time after time. And I actually have saved money, and I've saved on a bottle. I haven't had to rebuy that bottle. Right. Knowing that that may happen again, and it looks like what you're saying is we are there. We're We're going to be seeing now that domino effect as we go down the line 
It may not be as bad today, but in the weeks and months to come, yes, it's going to get weird. And I'm looking like a year ahead on some of this stuff. I, th- okay. I think, you know, we, we've talked about the issue and we'll talk about the turkeys in a little bit, but we're seeing some issues in some areas with turkeys. But I think next year may be even worse when it comes to trying to get your Thanksgiving turkey than this year. It may very well We're be. We're just going to have to see. And it depends on how some things play out. Let's talk about some specific things here. We've been watching and talking about wheat, corn, and soybean. We've talked about that for a while. And we're still watching those. What we've had is drought. We've had increased cost of production. We've had crop damages. There's diminished harvests. And war has been a major effect on the world supply of wheat. Ukraine is the number one producer of wheat. Yes, but not for America. No, America does not buy wheat from Ukraine, but 47 other countries do. That's a very large problem for those countries. The war has devastated the wheat crops in Ukraine, as you can imagine. Now, Russia had some blockades going, and they've allowed some humanitarian shipments of wheat to pass to those other countries, But those other countries are looking for supply on the open market. Now, that reduces the availability to the rest of the world. Right, and that's going to drive the price up. Exactly. We're watching that wheat. You've got that increased cost. You've got the availability of fertilizer. We saw that, and the reason being is Russia is the number one supplier or manufacturer of fertilizer in the world, And they've been under sanctions and not able to export. So a double whammy, A double whammy Mm -hmm. on that. So what we're growing, we're getting less fertilizer, or the farmer is able to afford less fertilizer because he's paying four times as much for Mm -hmm. it. Not to mention the increased cost in the diesel fuel that takes to run his equipment. So the cost goes up, the supply goes down. We saw one, and you're talking about things you never really considered. I had never really considered this, and that was that the Mississippi River had dried up to the point that either barges were not able to pass, they were only able to pass one at a time, and it even got to a point where they had to be loaded with less than they normally were to be able to pass. Yes, you know, the Mississippi River is a large commercial enterprise. It's a big river, too. For the passage. I mean, it literally goes from the south point of America all the way up to the north point, and it's very, very wide in some areas. Actually, it goes the other way. It goes from... I'm being smart, Alex. I'm I'm looking at the map right now, and I'm seeing the Mississippi River literally cuts the nation in half. It, it does. And, and it's and it's been a major thoroughfare and not just in recent times. Oh no, no, no. That all across history that has been a major supply chain route. In fact, most of the issues for the Mississippi has been the opposite, flooding. Yes. Rather than drought. Yes. Well now it has eased up some because they had more upstream rain in tributaries feeding into it. So the water level has risen some and the barge traffic is almost back to normal. Mm, But it's been deeply disrupted. It's been deeply disrupted and these cause ripple effects. It's kind of like if you really want to make a mess up on the interstate traffic, 
just slow down to about 10 miles an hour on the interstate and get these people backing up behind you. And then you take off again. <laughs> and that backup is backing up. It's getting worse as it yeah. goes back. It takes a, quite a lot of time to get back to up to speed. clear that yeah. up to speed. And that's, that's a good the example. best example I can think of. And I guess I think of traffic examples because I've been out there trying to clear the interstate to get the backup cleared up. Exactly. And so that's just some things we wanted to point out there on the supply chain issues and on the aluminum and plastic. Now, the wheat products... Uh, will affect things like flour and pasta. That includes spaghetti. Oh, dear. Uh, I I hear a a, a supply run coming on spaghetti. You need to add to the, you know, ton and a half we already have. Yeah. Hey, you can't get low on spaghetti. -uh. -uh. Love it. This girl's got to have her spaghetti like I have to have my coffee. Mm -hmm. Now, it's going to affect cake mixes, snack cakes, And most everything that's made with wheat or flour could be affected. And let me just point out that you probably have this in your notes, but I have this in my mind right now, that we're not just talking about human consumption. We're talking about the pet market as well. Exactly. They they are a large consumer of grain goods, the wheat, the corn, the soy, all of that. You think of the millions and millions of dogs and cats alone, mm -hmm. not to mention other types of pets, birds and the like. They eat, and mm-hmm. they eat these products. And when we don't have them, they don't have them. And not only are you going to see the dog food and cat food because of the wheat, but you're going to see it because of the aluminum as well. Yeah, and the canned food mm-hmm. and just the supply. So, yes, and again, like I said at the top of the show, we just really want to wake you up. And like Mark said, we don't want to scare you. We just want to prepare you. Because you've got to be wide-eyed and awake to understand what steps you need to take today that's going to help you a month from now, six months from now, 12 months from now. Knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And if we have this knowledge, we can make preparations for it. Not trying to scare anybody. And I can't say that enough. Yeah, we're not. Mark and I are not frightened. No. Now, I'll be honest, we've already been prepping for a number of years, so we're not frightened. But we do have a concern going forward for even how we're going to be able to maintain and add to our own preps. So we're forming plans on that right now. Yeah, and I'm a little bit concerned that I may be having spaghetti four days a week. (laughs) Would you rather have spaghetti or an empty plate? Spaghetti. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. Now, so we've been watching and are still watching wheat, corn, and soybean. We're also watching meat products. Oh, yes. And there's been a loud and long newscasts about the turkeys, particularly this season of the year, mm-hmm. how they were affected by avian flu. Yep. And we remember the beef shortages in the stores during the COVID. Yes, they were limiting you to like one package per trip. I went in there one day and it wouldn't matter if they said you can buy 100 packages. It was no, there weren't packages there exactly. to buy. And so that was an issue. We're seeing it with chicken. Now, you mentioned the turkeys. The chicken also were affected with the avian flu. Over 40 million birds, chicken and turkey, were destroyed because of the avian flu. And one of the reasons is that it didn't affect the the backyard chickens kind of thing so much. Now, you're talking about the commercial the, marketing the commercial, producers. But there's so many chickens packed into one area, and so it spreads through there. 
like the flu spreads through an elementary school. I mean, it just, it goes fast. That's why more elementary school, public school kids had the flu than homeschoolers. True. They they weren't as effective. It's the nature of the way those things travel. Beef and the prices of all of these things are going up. Pork is pork. in there as well, and uh, you know pork's not quite as much, but it's it's, ne- it's it hasn't come down. N- well, I was talking about shortage, but yeah, it True. hasn't come down. One problem with the beef is it's labor intensive as far as the slaughter and processing. Right, and since all those other in- initial costs were rising, the cost for processing has to go along mm-hmm. with it because businesses have to cover their costs. I mean, some businesses are even dipping into some below-cost activity, and you can't sustain your business very no, long that no, way. You, you can't do that. We've tried that. That does not work. And another thing with the, the beef is the cost that's associated with the feed, the fuel, transporting it, and those labor shortages. Yeah, they're being affected just like every other sector with labor shortage. Now, we won't see totally barren shelves like we saw during COVID. I just I don't think we will have totally barren shelves. But the cuts that we get may not be what we wanted. And we may have to take a lower standard of like ground beef. We may be getting down to the uh, I don't know, 60, 40. I don't know what their lowest oh, that they do. I don't even think they make a 60, okay. 40, well, 70, 30 is about the worst you can buy. <laughs> well, we we may be mixing it with pork and making 60 <laughs> or 50, 50. Oh, boy. And if you spice it right, that might not be that bad. But what we would say is if you see it and you see what you want, go ahead and get it if you have the freezer space and freeze it. Yes, and... You know, for those of you that may need to be feeding a larger household and don't have it, you may have to consider a supplemental chest freezer, maybe even Mm -hmm. a small one, just to be able to afford to purchase at a price you can right now and not wait a year or two when there may be an increase in inflation and probably even a recession situation in our economy. And speaking of that freezer, if you've got the freezer space, I'd go ahead and go today and get my turkey for next week. Yes, you know, and if it's frozen, you got to remember it takes one day per four pounds of turkey bird weight to thaw. So please don't be buying a 25-pound turkey next Wednesday night. It, will, it won't thaw in time for you to bake okay. it. So one day per four pounds is the standard for thawing in the refrigerator. That's totally new info for me. I had never thought about that. I thought you just buy the turkey and you set it out this after, or this morning and you cook it this afternoon. No, so, you, you've never baked a turkey. No, I've never baked a turkey. <laughs> Lord willing, I won't have to because I love you too much to cook for you. <laughs> I love you too much to let you. (laughs) All right. Back to the matter at hand. Now, the prices of the chicken and the turkey are still up. Mm -hmm. But talking about those turkeys, many of the grocery stores won't receive or didn't receive their holiday supply until this week. Right. You know, in times past, I have seen that the Thanksgiving and or Christmas, mostly Thanksgiving turkeys, in the past, you see them two weeks before Halloween. They're going ahead in like mid-October. Mm-hmm. They've brought turkey to market because there's an excess and they want to move turkeys and they're doing those reward card. It was stupid, ridiculous. Like three or four years ago, it was 29 cents a pound. I mean, it was ridiculously low. They had so much product. 
mm-hmm. and they were bringing it to market early. But you're right. I didn't even see a turkey until after the 1st of November. So that's just something to keep in mind right there. And we're going to take a quick break for a sponsor, and we'll be right back. I have something very important to tell you, and I hope that you stick with me here for just a few moments. I'm going to read to you a series of dates and cities, and I want you to listen carefully. One of these cities may be yours. 2014, Flint, Michigan. 2015, Mexico City, Mexico. 2016, Rome, New York. 2017, Carnegie Mellon University. 2018, Cartersville, Illinois, and the town of Nashville, Indiana. 2019, Troy, New York. 2020, the town of Jay, New York. 2021, Tyler, Texas, and Cape Girardeau, Missouri. What do all of these have in common? I'll tell you. Water system contaminations requiring a boil water order. Do you want something a little more current? Veterans Day weekend in Millwood, Washington on November 11th, 2022, a boil order was in place because of E. coli contamination. On that very same day, seven Florida counties were under a system-wide boil water notice. Clean water is a worldwide problem. Did you know that 50%, fully half, of hospital beds globally are occupied with patients suffering from water-related illnesses? Water is always a great concern for preppers, and not just the hardcore preppers. It's also a concern for us practical preppers. That is why we use the Pro One Big Two gravity water filter, not only for prepping, but for everyday use. It makes our water taste cleaner, our coffee tastes better, and if we ever need to start getting drinking water from the creek or river, we've got the Pro One Big Two. Pro One gravity filters are amazing. You pour unclean water into the top section, and crystal clear drinking water comes out into the lower section. There are several sizes for the countertop that hold either two or three gallons, and even a pitcher size that holds a little less than a half a gallon, and that can go into your refrigerator. Each filter has replaceable cartridges. The 7-inch cartridge will filter up to 1,000 gallons. The 9-inch cartridge will filter up to 1,200 gallons, and with up to three filters in each unit, that is some serious filtering capacity. The best thing about the Pro One Gravity water filter is that not only it's one of the best performing filters on the market, they are very affordable. And to make it even more affordable, Pro One is having a holiday sale all the way through New Year's Eve 2022. Here's their offer. They're giving 15% off of a whole house system and 25% off everything else they offer. Plus, free shipping, yes, I said it, free shipping on orders of $69.95 or over. You can even make four interest-free payments. There is no reason not to order your Pro One water filter today. Pro One Gravity Water Filters. There's a link on our website at www.practicalprepping.info. Hey, check it out. Let's talk about eggs for a moment, chicken eggs. Have you noticed a huge spike in the price of eggs? Well, you may not have personally noticed, but... I actually did. I I made mention of it on a recent shopping trip. Once in a while, I will go to the grocery store with you. And yes, I did notice a great price increase, but 
I've really noticed it in a lot of research. Well, now it makes sense. And I like the way that you have researched this because we've been spending a lot of attention talking about how the avian flu has affected the commercially produced turkey and chicken. And chicken far outsells turkey in terms of a yearly need from commercial producers. But think about this. If it's wiping out the adult bird that goes to market, it's also wiping out the adult hen that lays the egg. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Now you've got a real a serious supply chain issue on the price of eggs. Fewer eggs, higher price. And the producers are reducing the size of their flocks because of the cost of feed yeah. that they have to feed the chickens. That goes right back to the wheat, corn, and soy shortage. So and you see how all of these things, you know, one hand grips the other, and we get into a vicious circle, a it's cycle. It's jigsaw puzzle. It, it is, but it's, it's, it's an infinity type of a mm-hmm. design because I can't affect it here without being affected over there. And then some of the producers are selling eggs that normally went to the grocery store they're selling them to manufacturers who use them as ingredients in other products. Think about the baker. They have to have them. And though they don't go to the grocery store and buy their eggs. Correct. Our daughter's bakery does not go buy two dozen eggs. They have two cases delivered to the shop. Right. They go through the wholesale market. They go through the wholesale. And then you get all of these other manufacturers that are making things, bread companies and, you know, Mm -hmm. whatever. They're buying eggs that normally would have gone to the grocery store, but now they're going to big commercial manufacturers. And that reduces the availability. And what does reducing the availability do? It shoots the price up. Exactly. There's some options. There are. Raise your own chickens. You know, shout out to you homesteaders out there that have Mm -hmm. been doing this and You've been raising chickens for either a year or 50 years, either way. But you know what you're doing. You've got a good supply of both bird meat and eggs. So good on you. Now, here's something that I understood in some of this research. And before we add chickens, and I do plan to add some chickens to the backyard. And it's going to drive the cats crazy. So they're going to sit in the window and watch the chickens. But I want to add at least maybe four chickens to the backyard. But we're going to replace some fencing before we do that. And we need to have some overhead protection because we have nesting hawks. We do. And we've got to address that. And it's not that we can put screen over the entire backyard. I'm not sure what we're going to do there. Just the chicken tractor. We're going to have some chickens in the backyard. But what I found in some of this research, if raising chickens in your backyard is allowed by your city ordinances, then an HOA cannot stop you from raising a small flock. Interesting. They may be able to control what color you paint your mailbox, but they can't control (laughs) growing of chickens in your backyard. Well, something else that you can do that would maybe help when you think about your own preps, you can buy eggs in powdered form and you can use that as a substitute for your baking, your cakes, your breads, that sort of thing. So powdered eggs, it may not be the greatest thing, but again, Your choice is powdered eggs or nothing. So find ways to find some alternatives and learn some new skills that way. Now, my dad related that when he was in the service, he thought that the cook ground up a ping pong ball every now and then and scattered it into the powdered eggs (laughs) to make you think you had eggshell in there. (laughs) 
So I don't know if there's any truth to that. I think he used the, to joke about that. I think the military powdered eggs was a maybe a different. It maybe it's the same. I'm not really sure. I can't be honest. We're I've never also, had powdered eggs. We're also talking about in the 50s. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, this, this late 40s, early 50s, and so yeah. I don't know. He was teasing about him grinding up the um, <laughs> ping, ping pong, pong ball That's, to make you think you had eggshells. I in can your, I can hear your dad in saying your scrambled that. eggs. Krista did an episode on how to freeze eggs, and you can look back and find that. And if I remember correctly, the name of it was Foods You Didn't Know You Could Freeze. That's true. You can actually freeze eggs. There are certain techniques and and precautions to take Mm -hmm. to do it correctly and safely. And those are discussed on that episode. So let's not trust memory right here and go with some bad (laughs) info. Yes. Just go back through the podcast and and type in freeze foods or any type of those keywords. Yeah. Foods you foods You Didn't Know You Could Freeze was the name of the episode. So we've been watching the canned goods. We've been watching the wheat, corn, and soy. We've been watching the eggs, the poultry, the turkey. And now we're watching dairy products as well, particularly butter. Yes, the dairy industry is, uh, the commercial dairy industry, obviously, is going to be a player in every aspect of the inflationary cost of their production and availability of stock in order to do that. And I have seen some, I've seen some roller coastering really on dairy. Dairy hasn't been as volatile, but it's mm-hmm. definitely been noticeable. And particularly more of the high end uh, creamers and whipping cream. Some of those types of things are kind of expensive anyway, but they've really shot up in price. Yeah, because you've got the increased cost of raising cattle. Mm-hmm. You've got the feed, the fuel, the energy, and you've got some supply chain issues there. But the dairy industry in the production of the dairy products, that is very labor intensive. And it's more highly regulated as a as a sector than most other food products. I actually watched a documentary once just on the dairy industry and the hoops those farmers have to jump through. It's no surprise to me that many dairies are farmer owned Mm -hmm. because it's almost ridiculous. The amount of regulation. I understand we want safe foods. I'm not against that. The regulatory revenue for the different states and counties is very production prohibitive. Mm -hmm. And now we add, like you said, all of the inflation, the hardship, the labor shortages that are hitting that as well. It's just getting, you know, it's just a table full of eight balls. Well, when you talk about the labor, you think about this now. Uh, somebody raising beef cattle, you have them out there in the pasture, they're ranging, they're eating grass. You're taking a few bales of hay out there and dumping them out, you know, dropping them off for them to eat. And they pretty much take care of themselves. You just keep a check on your cattle. But when it comes to dairy cows, you got to plug them in every day. Yeah. I mean, if you're not hand milking them, you're, you're plugging them up. There's not a hand milking commercial operation in existence no. today and in it takes, this country. And it takes human hands to properly and, align. And you've got what <laughs> six or eight plugs on each cow that has yeah. to go in there. So. And we're talking, you're milking more than once a day too. Some of these little ladies are going in twice a day, maybe three. Okay. And we're talking 24 seven, 365. And we're talking a large number of cows are being milked at one time. Mm-hmm. I mean, these, these places are running, I don't know, 50, 100, depending on the size of the, the thing. 
the number of cattle that are being milked at one time. And, you know, another issue that just breaks my heart is when these markets get short-stopped by whatever hardship or disruption, you're talking about a spoilable product. Mm -hmm. And there have been tankers of milk that have been left untrucked, and the milk has gone to spoil. We're talking thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, maybe a half a million or more gallons of marketable product that just goes to the spoil. Yeah. And so that now you've got spoiled product and that's not helping anybody. No, and it has to be disposed of in a safe manner. And so there's just a lot of issues there, but we're watching dairy mm-hmm. and particularly butter. Now here's one that we kind of need to be aware of, and this is fruit and vegetable products and things that are made with those. See, we had those droughts and the crop damages, and that's the two biggest factors that go into it. But it also involves the canned items, uh, such as vegetable soup or stews. Canned fruits, you know. Canned fruits. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, and actually pictured in my mind right then was those little cups of fruit that you get for me to have at work that, now they're actually in plastic, but What else is going in shortage is plastic. Plastic. So it's those little cups of fruit cocktail and such like that. So you really may want to stock up on some of this. And and as we've said before, we don't expect total and complete barren shelves. Not at this point. Now, we may change our thinking down the road, but we're trying to keep an eye on this. But you may want to go ahead and keep an amount that will carry you through a given period of time so that you're not interrupting your kitchen table, but you can use it out of your stocks and then replace it when you see it. So maybe two, three, four weeks supply of any particular thing. And like us, uh, we want to lead by example. We want you to get into your preps and rotate as you need. Don't be afraid to use your own preps. I mean, what are you prepping for? You're prepping for a time of need. Now, we don't have to wait for a hurricane or a tornado or a flood or a famine for you to get into your preps. You can restore your preps down the road. If you need to get into them and rotate them into your daily use, by all means, Lordy knows I do. I'm in my prepper pantry once or twice a week rotating out. And you're doing it from a rotation standpoint. The The key here is to maintain that supply. You have to be putting in equal or greater to what you're taking out. Of course. But there are times, and you and I have been there, when we had to take out and not able to put in for a while. Sure. And so I actually talked with a lady the other day and asked her how things were going. And she said, well, it's kind of tough right now. I'm having to eat through my preps. It's just one of those things, but that's what they're there for. Absolutely. Don't be afraid to do that. We buy ahead so that we have it when we have a need. Two more items on the list today, and one is sugar. The two main sources of sugar are cane sugar and then sugar that comes from beets. And you can actually see on the grocery store shelves packages that are marked cane sugar or just sugar, Mm -hmm. and they are sourced from two different sources. So there actually is a difference in that type of sweetener. There are some crops raised in the United States which do turn into sugar. One of those is sugar beets. But one of the things, and, and particularly in Louisiana, 
they saw weather-related issues that caused a lot of crop damages. Right, yeah. That wipes out some of the sugar beets. A lot of our sugar comes from outside the country. And India has had extremely heavy rainfall this year, which has damaged their crops as well. We may be seeing some shortages there. (laughs) That we may. And we probably need to stock up at least a month's supply on that. And I know we have more than a month's supply of sugar here, and we suggest that for anybody and everybody. But if you're putting it into long-term storage, you can put that into airtight packaging. Mm-hmm. You could use like a food saver mm-hmm. type vacuum. But do not put O2 absorbers in there. Oh, well, why not? Don't put oxygen absorbers in there or you'll end up with a sugar brick. Oh, it'll harden it over time. Because mm-hmm. sugar has just enough moisture in it to create almost, yeah, like a calcification mm-hmm. effect. So we don't want to put the O2 absorbers in our sugar. Well, let me tell you that there are some alternative sweeteners that you can use. And the three that come to mind. I can put my finger in your coffee. (laughs) Okay, four. (laughs) My life is magic every day. Okay, back to business. The alternative sweeteners, uh, of course, historically honey. Honey's been a sweetener for products, drinks, and foods since honey was created. Uh, So that's also good. And honey doesn't go bad. It actually has a lot of wonderful health properties as well. So we recommend the use of honey in your tea. Some people will put honey in their coffee. You can also use stevia. Stevia is a naturally grown plant. So the plant source of that sweetener is very agreeable to a lot of environmentalists and vegans and just health conscious because artificially, chemically produced sweeteners can have some health side effects Mm -hmm. that are not too swell. Also, the use of agave. Agave is a sweetener not unlike kind of a honey consistency and is grown and sourced very prominently throughout Mexico, Central America, and some of the more tropical-based countries. So agave as a sweetener has also become very widely available. So that might be also some alternative sources you may want to come up with. If you don't want to rely totally on a sugar prep, go with some honey, stevia, or agave. This next one hits me where it hurts. Uh Uh-oh. Because I love chickpeas. Chickpeas, garbanzo beans. I can open a can, pour them in a bowl, stick them in the microwave for about 40 seconds, and I can just chow down on a bowl of beans. You like, in other words, raw hummus, huh? Uh, no, I don't like hummus. Now, <laughs> no, that's, I, that's what's funny. That's my joke is you're <clears throat> eating hummus before I, it's hummus. I'm eating hummus on the half shell. He doesn't like hummus. I do not. I do not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It's okay. Don't mess up my chickpeas. Don't mess up my coffee. <laughs> don't smash you know. them. Uh-uh. Yeah. And, no, I guess I could take them smashed, but you hummus lovers are going to probably need to look at some alternative beans as well. Oh, because of the chickpea shortage. Right. Now, part of the problem there is that Russia and Ukraine are the two main producers of chickpeas or garbanzo beans in the world. Now, see, that fact surprises me. I would have thought that garbanzo beans would have been much more widely produced in America. But you're saying they're not. They're not. Not not as well. Now, there are some produced here. But those U.S. farmers are also opting for other crops to grow. I see. They're, they're, I mean, they're, they're looking for crops that will make them some exactly. higher, higher money. They have to make money to stay in business. 
and some other crops are making more money. It's still not enough, but it's making them more money than the garbanzo beans. Hmm. And that's why we keep seeing a definite drop in chickpeas on the grocery store shelves. Imagine that. So the war between Russia and Ukraine has so directly affected the food supply for so many countries around the world. And, it, you know, we we want to see an end to this war, of course, from the humanity standpoint. And if it ended today, it's still going to be exactly. a while. I right. Mean, we're behind the eight ball on that. So they've decimated so many farmlands in yes, Ukraine to try to get back up to business. These folks will be starting over <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's going to take a year or two until they're back to good production. If that's soon. That's uh, back yeah. to good production yeah. and then back to the levels where they were. It's hmm. going to be four or five years. So we share this information with you because it's going to affect our plan going forward with what we know we need to stock on and what we need to improve upon in our stock and also to seek out alternatives that are readily available. We do prep because we feel like we are spending good money in advance and not spending bad money later. Inflation is going to still be hovering over our sweet little heads for the next bit. Economic issues are not an overnight change. They don't go bad overnight. They don't go good overnight. So you've got to prepare and you've got to be practical in your preparing. Get into your preps if you need to. Go into purchasing larger bulk items with your family members or friends and neighborhood. If it makes more sense for you as a family to purchase, say, a whole cow to be slaughtered so that you can spread that out among 10 families, that's good money. We've done it. We've put freshly slaughtered cow into our freezer. And not only did we save money in the long run, that is some delicious food. So I think I'm a little bit spoiled now on that. So let me put that out there. Get creative in your thinking about how you're going to address these shortages and how you're going to change maybe some lifestyle. Maybe you do need to eat at home more than eating out because if the cost at the grocery store is up, the cost at the restaurant's even higher. And so that's why we want to do the research and share that with you. We welcome your comments. How are you being affected where you live? We're in the southern states of America. Are you in the northwest? Are you in the northeast? Are you in southern Arizona? Are you in a foreign country from us? How are you being affected and what are you doing as a prepper to address the issues that you're facing? We would love for you to share that with us because we want to learn from what you're doing. You know, we're not the only experts out there. We don't even consider ourselves experts, but we do consider ourselves experienced. And we want to learn more from you. Please reach out to us at info at practicalprepping.info. Connect with us on Facebook. Give us a private message if you'd rather just, you know, chat between us. Let us know how you're affected and let us know the successful steps that you're taking as a prepper that's going to benefit somebody else that might be hearing us for the very first time today. And they need to learn some strategies. They need to learn some skills and they need to know that they don't need to be fearful. They need to take some intentional steps and being responsible as a mature adult, so that you can be successful tomorrow, next month, next year, five years from now, 
That's our goal. You know why that is? Because not only does stuff happen, stuff's already happening and has been happening for a while. So you need to either stay or get started on preparedness. And we will see you next time.